right. Well, good evening. Good to see all of you here. How many of you did sign up for the pontoon boat rides? Let me see your hands. Well, we're not having it. Okay. Um, but it made me think of my own pontoon boat. We moved to this lake six years ago, a 550-acre lake, a little small lake in our area. And the house we built, they already had a pontoon there. We said, how much for the pontoon? He told us, and we bought it. You know what the word boat stands for, if you've ever had a boat before? Bust out another thousand. <laughs> if it's ever broken. I guarantee you the boat they're having fixed, oh, it'll be over $1,000 for sure. So what happened about our boat was a storm came through our house, and it was blowing out the front door. We saw the trees leaning over and all this stuff, and... And then we went to the back, looked out the back, which we had the pontoon boat on a lift up in the air. It was gone. It wasn't there. The lift and the boat was gone down the lake somewhere. The wind pulled it over. It was a microburst or a tornado or something. The next morning we woke up. It looked like a war zone on our lake, like a path that was just cut through with boathouses and trees and, you know, trees 40, 50 trees in people's yards just slaughtered and our boat was upside down in the water down the lake a little bit upside down with the things stuck all over it we thought oh boy this is an interesting thing what are we going to do with this and so we had some guys that we went to a breakfast and we saw some guys talking I said you hear about the storm last night they said yeah I told them about it and he said hey we got some masks and some underwater equipment. We can go cut that lift off of it for you. I said, man, come on over. So they came over and cut off all that stuff. And now it was just the boat upside down in the water. It's upside down in the water three days. Now they say if the motor gets mixed with water and oil, it's going to ruin and destroy the motor. And so everybody told me this will not live. God spoke to me and said, the boat will live. And you will name it Resurrection. Now, real faith would have mean me buying those decals before I knew if it really would live or not. I did not do that. I didn't do that. I told my wife, and, but I didn't do that. Well, we had somebody tow it over to where the boat landing place is and got her tied it off to the dock and brought in a big crane and flipped it upside down in the water. All these people in our lake were there clapping, yay, the boat that was dead, it's come back to life. I said, it's still dead. I mean, the motor is shot, probably. We took it to a place called Got You Covered. That's where you bust out another 1,000. And I actually busted out two or 3,000. But they said they figured out something. They changed the oil four times. And on the fourth time they changed the oil, there was no more water in it. So then they said, let's give it a shot. Turned on the thing, vroom came back to life so I ordered these massive stickers that said resurrection and I put it on the boat every person on that boat knew I was a pastor knew that that was the boat that was dead that come back to life and so it was a great elevator speech sharing the gospel story with a lot of people just by watching our boat run around they said there's that boat that was dead yay it's alive again and stuff like that so that's a story I had about a pontoon. It has nothing to do with what I'm going to tell you about tonight whatsoever, but I thought about that when they said theirs was dead. It's going to cost them at least $1,000 or more probably to fix. Rich, I so enjoyed hearing your stories. My stars. 
And so we're going to do what we can to get involved with this ministry and support him too. And I hope you guys will. We didn't come prepared enough. We barely had time to run home, get over here. We, don't, we didn't bring anything. We, we have stuff though. So we're going to be able to help him soon before he leaves for sure. Well, tonight, I'm going to share some stuff with you about end times. And in uh, part of my story, it's about and my, what we do right now kind of as a hobby is my wife and I study about end times. Uh, when the boss at my, my store, my uh, appliance store, said, I go to a church where this guy teaches on end times every other month called Focus on the End Times. I want you to come with me sometime and hear him. And when my boss says, come do something, I want to please my boss. And I said, okay. I said, Becky, we got to go hear this guy talk at his church. I mean, come on, we'll go once and, you know, get it over with. And we went. And I was blown away with what this guy was teaching, what I learned. Came home to Becky and said, this was really good. We haven't missed one since for the last two years. We've since become good friends with this guy and support him in his ministry. It's one of the major giving things that we do. I learned so much from this man teaching through Revelation and the book of Daniel, Matthew 24, and a lot of the prophecies of Jesus himself. You know, one quarter of the Bible is prophecy. Yet many of our churches never even talk about it. They talk about everything but and I started thinking, how much have I studied and talked about it? Not much, hardly any. So then I began a deep dive with Becky, and we listened to all kinds of teachers on YouTube and read books on this and had Tim and Nancy over to our house and them explain this to me, ask them questions and stuff. And so I've compiled a whole lot of stuff that I want to show you of what I simply call tonight prophetic birth pains. Now, birth pains are what happens when your wife gives birth before that baby and child has come, there's pains that start, contractions start. And my wife has experienced that three times. We were eating lunch with a family yesterday. They had five kids, so that happened for them five times. And however many kids you have and how many, you know, with your wife, that's the birth pains before that life comes into this world. It's a prelude to what is about to happen. So tonight I'm going to show you that because the Bible is full of things to let us know Jesus is coming back for his people. Now, there's all kind of ways you can explain it, all types of views about this. I'm going to show you some of what my view is. You don't have to agree with me about some of this. You're going to see some absolute truths in the scriptures, but then I'll make an opinion and a call on something. And I'll explain it, which I think I'm right. You can think you're right, but you will be wrong because I will be right. But if you're right, I can be wrong. And that's just the truth of the matter. Some people are premillennial. Some people are postmillennial. Some people are panmillennial. That means it'll all pan out in the end, and they don't worry too much about it. Well, I'm going to give a kind of a pre-trib, premillennial type position on some stuff. And so here's what I'm going to talk about. I hope it's, it's something that will be helpful to you. The Bible says no one knows the hour or the day that the Lord will return. But I believe the Bible does tell us you can look at the seasons. You can look and see the birth pains happening and know that it's going to be happening as the birth pains are intense. And so here's what the Bible says in Matthew 24. It says this. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All are the beginning of what? Birth pains. Now, when you see these things happening, here's things, four things that will be true when, when, when we're getting close. You will see frequency, intensity happening. They will be visible 
and they will be unstoppable, these things. So let's look at 10 things that seems to be, they fit all four of those characteristics from the Bible of why they're happening today regarding end times. Here's the first one, global travel, global travel. Daniel 12, 4 made this interesting prediction. Look what it said. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Now, at that time, you really couldn't go here and there very easily. You could walk. You could maybe ride on a camel or a horse or something. You could maybe be in a chariot or a carriage or something that took you somewhere, but that's the only way you could go anywhere. That's what happened. Now, a little over 500 years ago, Columbus sailed to America with simple wind power, and he landed here in America. And this wind power of moving a sail on a ship or a boat has been used for thousands of years. And yet 200 years ago, that's still how you could travel and the only way to other countries. And then all of a sudden, something changed everything. It was called the steam engine. And then you had steam ships that were built that can now go under power. You had steam trains that could come. Cars came alone, and they had the internal combustion engine, and now they could roll and move, and they could travel and go farther than people that had ever gone before. And then planes came along. 1903, the Wright brothers flew the first plane and stuff like that. And today, routine flights from here to there, anywhere in the world, you can go in simply a few hours. And so recently, the statistic I saw was this about how many flights there are. It's about 4,590,000,000 flights people take a year. Now, that's just only in the last few years that all this has happened. So did you see what Daniel said? In the end times, people will go here and there. You can go here and there very quickly today. Uh, Anywhere I want to go. And so that's what's going on. The second thing that I see as a sign is global knowledge. Here's what Daniel 12, 4 says. This is amazing too. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there. And here's what it says. Read those last words with me. To increase knowledge. How fast do you think knowledge is increasing today in our world? Warp speed. Faster than ever before. Today, we have all these things. Listen to what they're called. They're called megabytes, which turns into kilobytes, which turns into gigabytes, terabytes, petabytes, exabytes, zettabytes, and yottabytes. These are how many zeros and how many much uh, things you can put on a chip that are just absolutely exploding in miniature size, the amount of things that we can do like this. Now, what's fascinating is my iPhone with Google can, t- can give me information on anything that's known by knowledge in the entire world. Anything. Any song that's ever been written, any video that's ever been shown, anything in history, anything in the past, anything that you want to know about, anything that is considered knowledge, I can have on my cell phone today. That's only been true in the last few years. There's something that's called nanometer architecture about the size of a quarter it has one trillion gigabytes of information on it a chip with one million lines going north to south and one million lines of it going east to west about the size of a quarter and on that it can hold every book ever written ever audio and every video ever produced and it's a tiny little thing do you think knowledge has increased 
It's an amazing thing how fast it has increased. Next thing is global weather to increase. Luke 21 says this, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity in the roaring and the tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on in the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Weather, our planet is so fragile with weather. When they say it's hurricane season, you know, something ripped down the lake and tore up my boat for sure. And my wife and I once went with walk through the Bible to the Bahamas to do a walk through the Bible. Somebody had to go. So I volunteered, you know, to go down and teach that one. Instead of going to Pascagoula, Mississippi or something, I went to the Bahamas with Becky. I said, you'll go with me on this one. This is going to be cool. So we went down there and spent a little vacation time. What's funny is I went down there to teach, and I came home to preach in my church on Sunday and brought her back down there with me to spend some extra time. The church said, we're going to pay to have a little vacation for you. I said, that's great. Except when we got down there, Hurricane, Hurricane Floyd came by and tore the island to smithereens. We had no power in our hotel. It sounded like a freight train coming through our 13th floor on the hotel, just bang against the the glass, water just pouring in underneath the glass. The next morning, everything was like a disaster on the island. When it was still daylight, I looked out, and this resort where we were, stand, we were staying in had this beautiful little, like a little island out here with a miniature golf course and a tiki bar and some places to relax and stuff like that. I watched from the window as it all just went up in the air and rolled over out into the ocean. The power of that hurricane, the power of the, of the weather, And we think somehow we can contain these and control this stuff. We can't do that. But people think that we can. But this is incredible. But the Bible says that weather's going to be intensified and damage is going to take place. There's also solar activity that's happening, lunar activity, stellar activity. Climate change is coming. And climate change basically is God-made. It's coming, you know, the climate's changing, all right. It's by God doing it. It's not going to be anything that we can control with how much money we spend and throw at it or all over the world to make it better. It's not going to happen. It's controlled by God. He controls all of the weather. This, the green energy czar, whose name is John Kerry, said this. India and China produce 90% of the world's emissions. So if the United States had a perfect zero, it wouldn't matter at all. Did you hear that? If we got to net zero, no emissions here, because of what's going on around the world, it's still going to be the same mess. We can't make them do what we are or try to be. Not going to work. It's a smoke screen, basically. The next thing is global communication. Uh, Here's a picture of one day what will happen in Revelation when it says the two witnesses come on the scene and they preach for a few years there at the temple and then they're going to be slain and then they're going to be raised from the dead. And the Bible says something about these guys. Look what it says in verse 9 of Revelation 11. For three and a half days, some from other people, some from every people, use them burial. That's what's going to take place. How in the world can everybody in the world see that? because of technology today. We can see anything that's happening in the world in a matter of seconds today with satellites and all the stuff that we have in communications today. Everybody around the world will be able to see this. 
It's code for everybody in the world. You can see everything on your cell phone. Every eye, the Bible says, will see the Lord return. You've heard that expression too. As a kid, I used to think, how can everybody in the world see what's happening if he comes in one place? How, how can everybody in the world see it? Technology, everybody in the world can see when the Lord returns. It'll be on every screen around the world when this is happening. That didn't even happen 50 years ago. Nowadays, you can see anything, anytime. Everything used to be oral tradition, just people talking and telling stories. And then the printing press changed everything. Now it was printing materials and books. Now it's technology. And the technology is, is, is going up in ability just like this. When you see artificial intelligence taking place nowadays, incredible. Just some of the research on that is mind-boggling. Some of the things that you can see that are happening today are just because your head to almost explode. Global evangelism is the next thing. Matthew 24, 14 says, Rich talked about this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, then the end will come. Never before has it been possible to know the number of people in the whole world. But now we can through the Joshua Project and through other people who understand all the cultures, all the people, what they believe, what they know. We've got people who can research that and figure that all out. Today, the Bible has been translated into 3,112 languages. We used to live in an area where Wycliffe, Wycliffe translators had their headquarters in Duncanville, Texas. We lived there. I knew some of the people involved in, the, in that project. 3,102 languages. That's 95% of the entire planet now have some form of the scripture in their language. 95%. And they're working to get it up to 100. That's happening right now. Mission boards know the target of this. And these unreached people groups are going after them with a vengeance to try to reach them. And his organization is doing a, a part of this very project right here to try to accomplish that. And so all this is speedily happening fast and faster and faster. It's going to happen. The next thing is this, global pandemics. Wow, this is where we are today for sure. Here's what it says in Luke 21, 11. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from the heavens. Has this happened? <laughs> yes. In Africa, there was a locust plague that destroyed the food of absolutely millions of people. Millions of people destroyed by this pestilence that came to their country. We might be able to stop some of these things, but in the tribulation, it will be unstoppable. And it will kill one quarter of all the people on planet Earth. Remember how COVID-19 shut everything down. People on planes and travelers that spread it all over the world. And all of a sudden, we're masked. Camp can't operate properly. Schools are virtual. Everybody's in a panic mode. Vaccinations happen. All these things that happen because of pestilence that's coming. And I don't think that's going to be the last pestilence that's promoted by the World Health Organization or anything like that. So just hold your, get ready for this and buckle your seatbelts because things like that are going to increase in intensity as we're getting closer to the return of Christ. Global tracking of digital money. This is a fascinating one. Revelation 13, 16 through 17 says, It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or forehead so that they could buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This has not happened yet, 
Words about the future Antichrist that will be here. But notice the idea, number. You will not get a chip in a COVID vaccine. That's not, some people were putting that out. Like, oh, you don't take the vaccine. There could be a chip in. That's not true. If you chose to get it, it's your business. We didn't choose to get it. It's our business. And so whatever you choose to do about that is personal between you and the Lord. But here's, the t- here's what's going on. Soon, and sooner than I think probably in our lifetime, all money will be digital in a one-world way to simply buy and sell because I think cash one day will be gone. They're working on it right now. Three billion people use Google Pay and over one billion have an iPhone. Trillions of calculations it can make. All about our electronic ways to pay today are Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, Apple, Venmo, Zelle. I could name 10 more. And so people are just getting used to right now using digital things to pay for. Some people don't even write checks anymore. They just work off of credit cards and debit cards and all these other electronic means to do so. And what's going on right now is government leaders are trying to get everyone's personal bank accounts so they know where you will spend your money. And if one day, if it all goes digital, they'll know exactly what you spend and how you spend it, what you do with it. Can they control it one day? They sure could. What would happen, though, if today they said everything's going to go digital, cash is no good, and I've heard some Bible teachers tell tell stories like my wife told me about this. You bring us every $100 to the bank, we'll give you $150 in digital credits. We're all going this way, so go ahead and turn it in now. If you don't do it, well, a month later, you can go $100 for $110 in credit. We can give you then $100 the next month for $100. You don't do it then, we're going to give you $50 for every $100 you bring. And before you know it, you're thinking, what do I do? Here's what I would do. Go turn it in. Get your digital credit. Do you want to eat? Do you want to survive and live? It's going to happen. doesn't mean you can't participate in this. You say, no, I'm going to keep my cash. If nobody takes the cash, what are you doing going to do with it to buy anything? So we may have to live through some of this transition time. This stuff is all getting ready for what's going to come one day for the Antichrist. It doesn't mean that this is going to be the Antichrist coming because of digital currency, but it will happen. There's something called a great reset. We got that slide that says about that. Here's the thing here about that one. Yeah, this is said by a guy named Charles Schwab, who's the head of the World Economic Forum. You will own nothing and you will love it. That's great. (laughs) You will own nothing and you will love it. And if we own nothing, who owns everything? The elite. The folks that make all the rules on the hierarchy here, they're the ones that are going to have everybody. China does this now, don't they, Rich? That's right. And they have credits. You get credits. And if they don't like what you spend your money on, what can they do to you, Rich? They can shut down your whole bank account. This is just an experimentation with the billions of people that live in China. And so you will see this beginning to spread all across Europe. And one day, I believe, coming to the United States, maybe in our own lifetime, quicker than any of us might think. Pretty shocking when you think about this, how it could happen. It can be a firestorm for sure. Now, the next is global weapons of mass destruction. Matthew 24 says this, For then there will be great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now, never to be equaled again. In those days had not been cut short. No one would survive, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. It used to be if you wanted to kill someone, you had to be up close. I had to stab you. I had to take a sword and kill you. I had to throw a spear at you. I had to do something to you. 
And all the things started changing when we had weapons like bows and arrows that started taking place. And all of a sudden we have guns, and then we have bigger guns, and today we have nuclear weapons. Let's talk a little bit about that, okay? Now we can do this. We can take a drone and shoot a missile out of a submarine. A nuclear missile can go hundreds of miles and hit the target the size of a quarter and blow to smithereens anybody that we want to blow up in the world today. That's our technology. Guys can sit in a room, and you know who's going to be working, doing all that stuff for the military one day? All your kids that play on video games today, that's who it's going to be. Man, they're experts at being able to use those games and do that kind of stuff. They're just going to do them now in real life, sending real missiles out. And that's probably what's going to happen. We have in America 6,500 nuclear weapons today. It would only take a few hundred to wipe out everyone on planet Earth. And that's how many we have. Russia has 6,850. Pakistan, where I was, has 135. China has 240. Israel just developed something called a neutron bomb. It doesn't destroy the buildings. It just kills all the people and animals on the inside. Well, that's nice. You don't have to rebuild anything. It just kills all the people, all living things, and the buildings stay intact. That's the technology of where we've gone now in weapons. It's unbelievable. The next is global peace, prosperity, and materialism. First Thessalonians says, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. We saw the whole world shut down with COVID-19, getting ready for the one day when one man saying he will bring in peace and safety for the entire world if you'll just trust him and believe in him, and we're all set up for somebody somewhere being able to bring peace to this wild world we live in today. Karl Marx said, my object in life is to dethrone God and to destroy capitalism. And when nations become communists in our country, I think is on a fast track to socialism and perhaps communism in the future. And when that happens, that will be true. The next is a global hatred for Israel. Do you know that almost every country on planet Earth hates Israel? God's chosen people. Zechariah 12.3 says this. I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding peoples reeling. Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem. On that day, when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for the nations. All who try to move it will injure themselves. This is growing stronger and stronger. There is a coalition of Muslim nations right now who are planning, plotting every possible way to wipe, wipe Israel off the face of the map. They're meeting. Iran has bunkers underneath mountains that they've carved deep into the mountains with missiles that they're working on, ready to fire into Israel and try to destroy this small nation about the size of New Jersey. And they hate Israel. It's the people of God that are there, God's chosen people. They hate it. And they're going to try to do that. Other thing that my prophecy friend said that made me think for a while he says, uh, Christians here one day are going to be hated too. You're going to stand for your faith one day. In our own lifetime, we could be really hated by a lot of people because maybe we're not falling in line with all of the things they're telling us to try to do to control us. I don't know. You'll have to answer to God for yourself about this because there's basically today two Americas right now. There's freedom-loving Americans who like free markets and capitalism 
But if you take God out of the equation of where we are today, you get authoritarianism. And with that, you have control, progressives, socialists, communists who want to tear down statues in our history, deface them, force you to take medicine as a vax, get a new flag, let's get a new national anthem. What's funny about the new national anthem was funny to me when we were down in Florida. This was about last year. We traveled down to see some, some friends who were staying there during the winter, and we were there on Super Bowl Sunday. So they had a thing that said we could come eat there and have hot dogs and get ready to watch the Super Bowl for about five bucks. And I said, let's go do this. And so we went down there to do it. We were sitting around with a whole bunch of old people, one of those places in Florida where old people go. And so we're all sitting together, and we're watching this game, and all we heard was national anthem. And so we heard those words. Everybody in that place put their hot dogs down and all stood up, put their hands on their heart. And these people started singing the song we never heard in our life. <laughs> we were thinking, what is this? It was the black national anthem they were playing for black Americans. And we never even know there was such a thing. And we felt like, let's sit back down now. Later on, they brought out the flag and did the whole American thing. But we just got kind of eating too many hot dogs to hear the whole announcement right. And I thought there wasn't even anything else competing with the national anthem, but they would love to have a new one. They sure would. They've tried to teach CRT and multi-gender equality. They call it a reset, the new world order. We're gonna change all this stuff. Multi-gender equality and all this stuff. A new world order is coming and it's coming at lightning speed. There's been story after story about this. A high school football coach fired because he got on his knee on the 50-yard line, and he was fired because he got on his knee to pray. You can take a knee at a football game to protest, but not to pray. Why? Wow, we can't have God in any involvement in things like this. 16-year-old girl in Virginia refused to wear a mask, and she was carried away in handcuffs and arrested. This is America. And out in Virginia, a man named Stan Smith's daughter was raped in a bathroom by a transgender student, and he was carried off to prison trying to protect his daughter. You can see what's going on. Any regime that ever took over a country first had to silence and disband Christianity and churches. That's what they did in communist countries. You look at the history of how countries became communist, they had to do this first. And then they give away free money to churches. And then there's government money going in. There's all kinds of trends today that are building like a crescendo, getting louder and louder and louder. Because you see in Romans 8, it talks about the birth pangs, that this earth is a fragile, groaning, shaking, burning place. Last year alone, there were 500,000 earthquakes a year that they can measure. So this world is shaking right now and dying it will one day come to an end, and until it does, we have one thing we're supposed to do as believers, and here's what Jesus said, occupy till I come. That means till I come, we're going to support Rich and his work in ministry to get the gospel out as many people as can get it. We're going to have camps like this where we can raise up young warriors for Christ to stand true to the faith, even though persecution might come to them in the future far different than it ever has to us. We're not going to quit living the Christian faith and living the Christian life. We're not going to get up on a mountain and wear white robes and just put our hands up and wait for Jesus. No, 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 no. We're going to give it everything we got until he comes for us. So tonight, I hope, made you think a little bit. Does it make sense to know that we are to know the mercy of God 
and that we're going to have to face, go face to face one day to the person because of our own sin and the sin of our nation. If you're to know God as your healer, then there first must be pain or sickness. If you're going to know God as our rescuer, there must be some trouble from which we need relief. If you want to feel God's compassion, there has to be some hardship or difficult circumstance for you to have and have compassion. And so these things happen to us so that you can see a side of God that he has to meet every one of these difficulties that we have when we think about how serious some of these things will be for us in our future before he returns again. But we serve a wonderful God. So keep your eyes and heart fixed, not on Facebook, but on this, the faith book, which is the word of God. You keep, your, you keep your head buried in it, and you read it, and you study it for yourself. And maybe become a little bit more student of prophecy and think through some things that we're working through and thinking on as well. Because it's changing our, our hope and attitude, looking forward to Christ to come. When we were kids, we used to always sing, when we all get to heaven, what a day it will be when we all get to heaven. I remember thinking, I think I'd rather just live a full life and then die in my sleep and go to, you know, go to heaven one day. But I didn't see anything really happening back in the 1960s that would make me even think he's coming anytime soon. I, I see a whole lot of things happening now that makes me think he could come really soon. He could come by the end of this year. I really think he could. If he doesn't, we'll just keep looking and keep occupying and keep working and doing the best we can. And maybe many of us will pass away before he comes. But many of us in this generation, there's going to be one last generation that is alive when Jesus comes. Why don't we just make it ours? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if that was our generation? I hope it is. Can I guarantee you that? No, I can't guarantee you that. Do I hope it is? Yeah. The Bible says we're looking for the blessed hope. So we can have that kind of hope, and that's a good hope to have. So I hope tonight you've been, you know, interesting, maybe thought that was interesting, challenging, might get you into God's Word to more, reading a little bit more in some of those prophetic books and finding your own beliefs of what you want to think and teach to your own families and children. And I know this was a little bit maybe different than you might have expected me to do. But when I was telling you about my story, well, this is what my wife and I are all about right now is learning more stuff like this. And so I hope it's been helpful to you tonight. I'll have just a couple more talks for you, and uh, that'll be tomorrow. We'll do one in the morning and one in the evening, and then we'll be all done. But I'll pray for you right now, and let me just extend a blessing to you over your hands. Just extend your hands. Lord, until you come, all of us in this room, I really believe, want to serve you with all of our heart, mind, strength, and soul. We want to reach these college students. We want to reach people that are our neighbors. We want to reach people without Jesus. And we want to share the gospel with them so that when you come, we're ready to go. And you said to be ready and to be looking for you to come. And so I just pray that, Maranatha, that you would come, Lord Jesus, and we would welcome you. And we look forward to spending eternity with you. So bless our people here. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.